Amen. Take your copy of God's Word once more this day and turn with me this time to the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four, verse nine and following. Second Timothy chapter four, verse nine. Hear the word of the living God. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus. For Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him. For he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the living God and we say thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Now, O Lord, we pray that you would encourage our hearts in the faith. We pray that this text would aid us, help us, we ask. We pray that you might encourage us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It goes without saying, and perhaps something that we don't necessarily even need to say, for it is assumed, but none of us is the Apostle Paul. None of us has had the journey that he had, and yet in writing what would likely be his final letter of Holy Scripture, 2 Timothy, we receive some interesting patterns, don't we? We see in his life some things that perhaps in smaller ways, and this will vary from believer to believer, but perhaps in some smaller ways, things that will indeed be patterns for our own lives at times. Indeed, this morning and really the last few weeks, we've considered what it's like for believers to have to go through the challenge of false teaching. This morning, as we saw, to live in a world that is so full of sin and yet remember that the Lord God is faithful and offers deliverance to his people in the end. But as we read these last few words of the Apostle Paul, I think that we see some things that may indeed be true for us as Christians. I want us to structure these words of Paul in three simple words. And these words are things that he expresses in these last few paragraphs that he writes. 
He's writing, of course, to his protege in the ministry, to a man who will indeed be a teacher and preacher and elder of Christ's church. He's training him. Really, we get pastoral theology in First and Second Timothy. But notice at the end of his discussion, the famous words are not the words that I've just read. The famous words are the words that come right before it. Look at verse 6 of chapter 4. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. These are the famous words of Paul. Many people can quote parts of these words. Oftentimes when a Christian is approaching death, these words are used to describe them or perhaps are on their minds. That by God's grace, I have kept the faith. But I want us to look at the next set of words. Because just following this discussion of how by God's grace, Paul has been able to make it to the end, he describes his current condition. And what is that current condition? I'm going to leave you with those three words. Firstly, Paul is alone. And many times in the Christian life, you will be or feel alone. But not only is Paul alone, secondly, Paul describes that he is attacked. He's alone, he describes the situation, but he's also a man who, for his faith and for his work, has been attacked. But then thirdly, it seems, at least until we read the end, it seems as though Paul has been abandoned. Everyone has left him. Christians, there will be times in our journey where we will feel as though we are alone. We sit at family meals and except for we ourselves and maybe our immediate family, we might be the only believers at the table. Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays. We take a stand for certain things in the faith. And even though, again, we are not the Apostle Paul, we may feel the attacks of the world or even of those who otherwise know and love us. Why do you do that? Why does your family do this this way? Do you really believe this about this Jesus? The attacks are certainly not what Paul experienced. And yet there will be seasons where we will feel attacked. But then there may be times in your walk with Christ where because of your faith in him or a stand that you've taken, some will abandon you. And yet Paul lays out a glorious reminder, doesn't he? The famous verses transition us into his need, doesn't doesn't it? Look at verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly, Timothy. Paul needs Timothy to come. And then he lays out the current circumstances of being alone, of being attacked and being abandoned. We'll describe and look at some of these in just a moment. But then he says some of the most startling words in the letter. Verse 16, he says, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me. 
and strengthened me. Do we as the people of God believe that even in moments when we are alone in our walk with the Lord, in moments when we are attacked for the faith, for seeking to live a righteous and godly life, or in God's providence, moments when we are abandoned by people because we name the name of Christ, do we believe that the Lord who has promised to be with his people to the end, do we believe that he stands with us? Let's look at the circumstance that Paul is going through and then consider how, even if in a smaller way, we in our own walk with Christ may experience such things. Firstly, Paul is alone. Look at verse 9. He says this, Be diligent to come to me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Luke, of course, would be the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So it is not as though he literally is alone in the sense that no one else is around, but the the, the traveling band, the group of people who were his support for good reasons, like Titus being sent. Titus didn't abandon the faith. Titus being sent for good reasons. He's alone. But for bad reasons, notice verse 10, for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. You know, brothers and sisters, it is indeed possible that in the Christian life we will know of individuals who name the name of Christ, who are with us, even perhaps sit in these seats, that as time moves on, they no longer persevere in the faith. They apostatize. Or they demonstrate that they had no saving faith in Christ. Demas, as we read of here in verse 10, who is mentioned elsewhere in Scripture, the book of Colossians. Demas forsakes Paul. And Paul tells us the reason. He loved this present world. It was more important to him than Christ and the call to live a life for him and to spread the gospel. So friends have left. Maybe that's where you find yourself this evening You know of individuals who used to walk with you in the faith who no longer walk in the faith. You know of other friends who used to be in your community but in God's providence have moved elsewhere. Good reasons and bad reasons and yet you find yourself feeling alone. Paul says in verse 17, I'm not alone. It is the Lord who is standing with me And it is the Lord who strengthens me. You need the body of Christ. I need the body of Christ. But our help, our strength is ultimately in the Lord. And Paul can say, Demas has left me. I've sent others out. Only Luke is with me. I need you to bring people here. Interestingly enough, he's going to mention the name of an individual to bring in a moment. It might seem shocking to us as we follow the New Testament. He needs people. He feels alone, but the Lord stands with him. Who is it that he asks 
Timothy to bring. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Now, if you've been tracking the pages of the New Testament, putting the books of Scripture together, this is the mark that he and Barnabas had sharp disagreement over in the book of Acts. This is the mark that the book of Colossians seems to indicate that now Paul has reconciled with. The mark that was not someone that he wanted to travel with is now someone that he says is useful to me for ministry. Paul is alone and he asks Timothy, bring Mark. But you know, Paul isn't simply alone. He's also being attacked. And sometimes we will be also in the faith. Look at the next few verses. He's been describing the need for individuals and him being alone. Verse 12, And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. So there is next a very specific request. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. Spirit-inspired scripture, we receive the note that Paul has need of material items. And the books, especially the parchments, most scholars would make the argument that Paul is interested in copies of Old Testament books of scripture. Bring what I need, both physically and for the work. But then he says in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. In addition to Paul feeling alone, he is also under attack. He describes one such instance. A coppersmith by the name of Alexander, likely an Alexander referenced elsewhere in the scripture. In pages of the Bible like Acts chapter 19, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. But then notice the kind of harm or work that Alexander is noted for. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. He's doing us harm. He's speaking against us, but he's resisting the words. We're seeking to speak of Christ. We're seeking to teach the whole counsel of God's word, and he's resisting our words. There will be times, brothers and sisters, where we are attacked. Some will seek to do us harm in the faith. There will be times where others will resist gospel words. They will resist truth from God's word. Paul is not only alone, but he is voicing being attacked. Have you ever been attacked for your faith? We began this evening with a clear description, the statement that we are not the Apostle Paul. You remember his resume, the shipwrecks, the beatings, being out for many nights in the open seas, the anxiety of the churches. Now, we're not meant to read this and think, well, we are Paul. Our being alone and being attacked is the same. No, but there is a pattern here, isn't there? We will experience, perhaps in a smaller way, these kinds of things. Where might you be being attacked, Christian? What about some of you teenagers who are living in a world that is trying to mold you, 
And you're beginning to have to think about how you will carve out your life in the midst of a world that doesn't want to hear of your Jesus. You know nothing yet, teenagers, of what the Apostle Paul suffered. But you perhaps are beginning to feel the beginnings of what it's like to actually live for Christ in a world that hates him. Maybe you've taken a stand for Christ, his gospel, or his word, and have been attacked. But Paul reminds us again, doesn't he, in verse 17, as he speaks of his defense, the Lord stood with me. We are never alone, even in the midst of the attacks that we experience. One of my heroes in the faith is the missionary John Payton. You can read of his life in his autobiography. It's harrowing, really, traveling halfway across the world to tell pagans about Christ, pagans who eat people. And he often describes the attacks that he experienced while God seemingly miraculously preserves his life so that at the end of his life, he could say almost literally what Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the race, I finished it and kept the faith. But John Payton in his autobiography breaks forth with words of an experience of feeling the utter attack of people who did not want to hear of Christ and feeling alone. He says this, quote, Trials and hairbreadth escapes strengthened my faith and seemed only to nerve me for more to follow. And they did tread swiftly upon each other's heels without the abiding consciousness of the presence and power of my Lord and Savior. Nothing else in all the world could have preserved me from losing my reason and perishing miserably. His words, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, became to me so real that it would not have startled me to behold him, as Stephen did, gazing down upon the scene. What is the scene? Well, if memory serves, the scene here was taking refuge in a tree with unbelievers gathered all around underneath the tree, threatening to take his life throughout all the night. What does he say in the midst of trying to find refuge in the branches of a tree while pagan unbelieving cannibals are all around you. It's as if the words of Christ have become precious and palpable to me. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. He continues, quote, It is the sober truth that I had my nearest and dearest glimpses of the face and smile of my blessed Lord in those dread moments when musket, club, or spear was being leveled at my life. Oh, the bliss of living and enduring and seeing him who is invisible, end quote. Now, we will perhaps not experience what Paul was called by God's providential hand to experience, but we will feel alone in the faith at times. 
And in some ways, for some of us large ways, for some of us small ways, we will be attacked. We continue to live out and name the name of Christ. We will come under attack. Make no mistake, we may not be called halfway across the world to spend our lives sleeping in trees through the night, worried that any moment a spear will be hurled in our direction, having to cling to the words of Christ. But beloved, if we speak of him often enough in this culture, metaphorically, this will be some of our days. And the words of Christ, I am with you always, will have to be the balm in the moment when we feel alone, but when we feel attacked. So Paul says to Timothy, you need to avoid him, Alexander that is. He resisted our words, gospel words, words of God, and he has done us much harm. Paul is indeed feeling attacked. But thirdly, as we mentioned before, the passage continues in verse 16, Paul feels abandoned. These are perhaps some of the sadder words in the writings of Paul in the New Testament. Look at verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Then he does the opposite of what he said with Alexander. With Alexander it was, may the Lord repay him according to his works. Look what he says of those who would not stand with him. May it not be charged against them. Now what is going on here? Well, it is possible that Paul is speaking of his first defense in Rome where he was called to make a defense, which ultimately for him included a defense of the faith, but a first legal defense. Now think about just the history, but the geography of it. Paul, at the end of the book of Acts, has several years of basically Rome-sponsored, unfettered access to preach the gospel. Think of the last chapter of the book of Acts. There he is, under house arrest, and the Roman government is essentially funding the opportunity for people to come and go and talk to the Apostle Paul. There's a church in Rome. Doesn't he write a letter to them? So by the time he writes 2 Timothy, we know there are believers in Rome. Where are they? At my first defense, no one stood with me but all forsook me. We don't know all of what he means, but that phrase, all forsook me, helps us to understand that at least in part, there was the opportunity for other brothers and sisters to come support the Apostle Paul, and they didn't. Maybe you feel as though someone or some group of Christians have abandoned you in some way. Certainly it would not be to this level But Paul, who is alone, who has come under attack, has been abandoned. At my first defense, no one stood with me. What a sad state of affairs it might seem. He's gone from saying, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also for all those who've loved his appearing. He goes from the mountaintop discussion that King Jesus will award him and all who are looking for Christ to come, this wonderful crown. And yet within a few verses, what do we read? Very discouraging news about the state of the church. We live in a time where sometimes it seems like brothers and sisters in the faith have in some way abandoned us, abandoned parts of the faith. We look around sometimes and there are things that need to be said, but no one will say them. Where are they? And there are indeed some places today in this world where Christians who are going to their death for the gospel may have opportunity to say, no one is standing with me. And yet, what does Paul say? But the Lord. But the Lord stood with me. The more you read Paul, the more that you see that he loved the word but God. Remember Ephesians chapter 2? Here's my sinful resume. Here's our sinful resume. But Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy. He does this, doesn't he? Here, what does he say? They've all abandoned me. No one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. Do you know the sweet fellowship of Christ in the midst of being alone, of being abandoned, of being attacked? But the Lord stood with me. And what did the Lord do for you, Paul? What did he do? He strengthened me. Writing on this passage, John Calvin says these words, quote, He does not boast of his courage, but gives thanks to the Lord, that when reduced to extremities, he did not give way nor lose heart under so dangerous a temptation. He therefore acknowledges that he was supported by the arm of the Lord and is satisfied with this, that the inward grace of God served for a shield to defend him against every assault. End quote. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. When he says the Lord, he means the Lord Jesus Christ. Look earlier at 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. Verse 8 Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, he's not trying to make distinctions in the persons of the Trinity, but there is this reference specifically here to Christ. This is the Lord. This is his Savior who stood by him. Doesn't this echo the refrain of Psalm 34, 7? Turn over with me to Psalm 34, 7. If you have eyes to see it, it's one of the most precious lines in all of the Psalter. Psalm 34, 7. We'll pick up in verse 4 of Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Then verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them 
Brothers and sisters, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, particularly here, is indeed a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ. With even seeming echoes of the theology of Psalm 34, verse 7, which is a passage that Paul would have grown up singing in synagogue. The angel of the Lord, you and I can say, following the New Testament unfolding of Revelation. The Lord Jesus Christ encamps around those who fear Him. And what does He do? He delivers them. I may be all alone. The Christians that have abandoned me, the ones that I'm praying that the Lord may not charge it against them, they have left. The unbelievers of this world may attack me. People may leave the faith. But the Lord stands by me. And he strengthens me. And is it not the Lord Jesus Christ who said shortly before his ascension, I am with you. I am with you to the end of the age. He tells the apostles that as they seek to lay the foundation for the church, as they teach all that he taught, As they baptize, he is with them to the end of the age. And we who believe on his name through the word of the apostles some 2,000 years ago have the precious promise that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. He is with us when we are alone in the faith. He's with his people when they are attacked. This, This would be the Paul who used to be Saul who on the road to Damascus received this word, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who is this, Lord? Who are you? What did Jesus say? What did the risen Christ say to Saul, the Pharisee? When you persecute my people, you persecute me. And now, decades later, Paul can say, I'm being persecuted. I'm alone. Even the people who love the name with me wouldn't stand with me. But the Lord stood with me. Listen, when you evangelize for the name of Christ and you're all alone, you're handing out the track and you receive the taunts and the curses and the blasphemous words, the Lord is with you. When you seek to live a righteous life for King Jesus and honor Him, when the world doesn't understand, the the Lord is with you. And He strengthens you. But as we close, look at verse 17. We've seen the first part, haven't we? But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. But notice what Paul finishes with in verse 17. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Are you okay, Christian, if the Lord providentially allows you to be alone in the faith, allows you to be attacked in the faith, allows you to be utterly abandoned in the faith, 
so that others may hear if that's what his providence demands. See, Paul says, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. The strengthening was for what? Others to hear the gospel. Think of all the martyrs. Just this past week, just this past week was the anniversary of another one of my heroes, William Tyndale. His death strangled and then burnt. You think standing there in front of a jeering crowd when no one else would stand with you. You think looking out on that scene as they are beginning to light the fire. Wondering to yourself, being tempted by the thoughts of your own flesh and the thoughts of the enemy. See where this has gotten you? Are you sure you haven't wasted your life, William? What was his crime? Well, translating the Bible so that English speakers, like our forefathers, could read the Bible. And in that moment, the flames begin to burn and the executioner, seemingly in an act of mercy, ends his life quickly. And within, within one year, the flames of William Tyndale's fire are burning, metaphorically, throughout all of England as people are reading his Bible. Is it worth it if the Lord God allows you to be attacked and allows you to be abandoned so that, as was the case with Paul, him strengthening you through trial means that other people will hear? Paul, how will you end your letter? Well, I'm looking to Christ. I'm alone. I've been attacked. And... Those who I thought would stand with me have abandoned me. But the Lord, he stood with me and he strengthened me so that the message might be preached. And then he makes these bold statements. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Perhaps a reference to not yet facing the death that Rome was to bring on him. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then, brothers and sisters, I just have to point out, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is not finished. What does he do? Hey, greet my brothers and sisters for me. Greet Prisca and Aquila. In the household of Anesiphorus, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come to me before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. And then, he says to Timothy, Timothy, I want for you what the Lord God has done for me. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May he stand with you. Grace be with you. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we are not Paul. We will not face all of the kinds of things that this persecuted apostle faced. But it is entirely possible 
that until the Lord tarries, there will be moments where we feel, at least if we are not alone in the faith, where it seems as though we are attacked for King Jesus. And sometimes, even when people who we thought would be with us aren't. But Paul can say, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. May this indeed be our hope as well. Let's pray. Living God, we pray for your people that you may strengthen and increase our faith, that you might remind us that the Lord Christ stands with his people, that he promises to be with us to the end. Help your saints, O Lord, as we will experience these kinds of trials in varying degrees. May our hope be the precious Savior, palpably near to us by your Spirit, through his word, moment by moment, until we reach the end of our days and we see what we've only beheld by faith until that moment. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.